This is Conversations with Corliss, the podcast that features real and inspiring people who are leading their lives with purpose, passion, and confidence. Through their stories, advice, and expertise, you will be empowered with tools and insights to become the leader you are meant to be. Your host, Corliss, is a Dare to Lead trained, certified success principles coach, best-selling author, and inspirational speaker. As an entrepreneur for more than two decades, she has coached, trained, and mentored thousands to tap into their personal power and realize their potential. Through her company, Corliss Co., she will help you dream again and break through what holds you back from leading the life you want to have. Connect with her today at corliss.ca. Hi, everyone. This is Conversations with Corliss, a real leadership podcast. Here we will talk about all the things it takes to bravely lead the life you deserve. Welcome to the conversation. You may have guessed it. My name is Corliss and I created this podcast simply because I want to help people and make a bigger impact. You see, one day I woke up in my 40s and realized time stands still for no one. With my kids more independent and my career not as fulfilling as it once was, I found myself wondering if this was it and what was next for me. I went looking for answers to recreate my life and I found them in having meaningful conversations with inspiring people. That's what we'll do here for you. Whatever you're looking for, I'm glad you're here. Aging has given me the invaluable insight that we should make every moment count. It's time to take charge of your life, to rise up and be all you can be. This podcast is meant to help you do that. So let's get started. Today's episode is being brought to you by The Creative Company. Taking time to quiet your mind while engaging in a creative activity can reduce stress, trigger happiness, instill pride, as well as spark inspiration. The Creative Company offers a variety of all-in-one painting, coloring, and drawing bundles designed by artists and meant for all ages to enjoy. Could you or your family use some creative time? If so, visit their website at www.thecreativecompany.ca. This is episode 041, Understanding High-Functioning Anxiety and Depression, How to Go from Surviving to Thriving with Emmy Russo. Lisa Oliveira said, just because no one else can heal or do your inner work for you doesn't mean you can, should, or need to do it alone. This is exactly what this conversation is all about today. Truthfully, until Emmy and I connected about recording this podcast, I hadn't even heard of the term high-functioning depression and anxiety. And since learning what it is, the symptoms, and how common it is, I feel really inspired and excited to help those who struggle with it. Mental health is as important as your physical and emotional health, and I'm grateful that it's becoming something that we talk more openly about so that people don't have to suffer in silence. This is an important conversation to continue having, and I'm really glad that you've joined in, and I really want to encourage you to share this with a friend. As Vikram Patel said, there is no health without mental health. Mental health is too important to be left to the professionals alone, and mental health is everyone's business. Emmy Russo is the founder of Trinity Transformations, a company devoted to helping the anxious overachiever release the shame and guilt they've been hanging on to surrounding their high-functioning depression and anxiety. Emmy herself struggled with high-functioning depression for years and as a result developed a robust toolbox that allowed her to stop feeling like she was treading water and eventually truly thrive. She now brings all those tools and strategies that she's learned to adults in her speaking and coaching. Emmy is passionate 
passionate about helping others realize there need be no stigma in having mental health issues and that it doesn't define them. She is an international speaker, transformational coach, and an elementary teacher who gives people the tools to go from just surviving to thriving. She's appeared as a speaker at the Girl It's Your Life Tour and spoken on numerous podcasts and at virtual events such as the Parents Unite group. Most recently, she competed in the Speaker Slam competition and placed 15th with her speech entitled How I Learned Self-Love. Emmy founded Trinity Transformations to offer connection through joy, gratitude, and self-love. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're here, Emmy. I love everything that you represent, and I'm really excited for our audience to have a chance to learn from you today. Um, Thank you for taking the time. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited that we finally get to do this. Absolutely. So let's begin with why you know so much about this topic. (laughs) Well, that's because I've lived this topic. I have suffered with high functioning depression. I did suffer with it for years, like constantly suffering. And it was probably about 10 years ago that I was actually misdiagnosed as bipolar, but I knew that that had the depression element to it. And then a few years after that, it never really felt right. And a few years after that, I read an article about high functioning depression. I was like, yeah, that sounds like me. And then I just delved more deeply into what that is, how it is, and uh, how it manifests in people. And, And then it's become my passion to spread the word to other people that we're not alone and we can get through this together. Mm, I love it. A lot of times our life lessons are what guide us into a path of helping others and using our experiences, isn't it? Absolutely. So, okay. So let's kind of talk about that because even myself, I don't really know exactly what is high functioning depression and anxiety. Okay. That's always the perfect question to start with because so many people don't really know exactly what it is. They may have heard of it or they may have never heard of it, but high functioning depression and anxiety, although not clinical diagnoses are still real things. They are people who do suffer from depression and or anxiety, but are able to not only get through the day, but do it in a very high, at a very high functioning level. So the kind of stereotypes we hear about people with depression, that they can't get out of bed ever, they can't hold down a job, all these things that are a not necessarily true of every person who has depression, but we associate those things with depression are mostly not true with people with high functioning depression and anxiety, because although in the inside, we may feel like we don't want to get out of bed, we don't want to go to work, it's such a drudge to do any little thing. On the outside, we're usually overachievers. And we do those things, not only okay, but extremely well, um, often hurting ourselves more because we're making sure we overachieve and at the same time emptying our own vessels more and more because we feel like we're drowning on the inside. Hmm. So you've got me thinking here because I'm definitely certain that I've had personally high functioning depression and I just call, I just call myself to push through it. It's like, okay, I just got to keep pushing through. I just got to keep going. Is that common? So common. It's what most of us 
do. And I want, when I say us, I want to also recognize that mental health is a spectrum. So there's, you know, the spectrum of completely mentally healthy, which most of us are not a hundred percent, just the same as most of us are not a hundred percent physically healthy to having a severe mental health disorder. But most of us are not on either one of those ends. Most of us are somewhere in the middle. So we may be having symptoms of high functioning depression or symptoms of high functioning anxiety and yet not be diagnosed, that doesn't mean that we're not still, you know, acknowledging that we have those symptoms. Like you said, you know, you've had it. It doesn't necessarily mean that you'd be clinically diagnosed as depressed, but that's still very real that you've had that, you've experienced it. Mm, Yeah, well, I think for anyone who follows me on my social pages, uh, you would have seen a post that I did. And actually, it began about uh, two months ago. And at the beginning of COVID, like I'll just share kind of the backstory on this. So at the beginning of COVID, I really felt like I needed to put my head down and just keep going and figure it out. I think a lot of people experience that, especially if you're an entrepreneur. So I did. And then as I was working through that, I felt like because I'm a coach, a mentor, I support people. I really felt like I needed to show up more than ever. So that inspired me to push through, push through. And then when I combined that with, well, there's really nothing else to do. And I work from home. So I should just work because I have the opportunity to work. So I should work. So I just really kind of lost track of the fact that I wasn't doing anything, you know, that brings me joy that helps me refill myself. And even though I was practicing self care and having relaxed time, one of the things that's so big for me is to have fun and fun's been missing from my life. So, you know, coming into this year, I had a few things that happened in my family, and then I lost a mentor who was really important to me. You know, I think those things just started adding up where I started noticing a really big, significant change in me where I couldn't just push through. I was really struggling to just even function. And that's that's part of why I'm so excited to, to talk with you and learn about this, because somehow I feel like it's okay. It's okay. Like I'm an achiever and I'm strong and even the weak, even the strong can feel weak sometimes. And I was feeling weak. Is that kind of a common thing amongst people who experience high functioning depression? Absolutely. I feel like you have just given the, you know, like the poster child for it. That's that, you know, and that was me for so long as well. And I think, especially if we're in the field of helping others, we then feel like if we just pour into that more or whether it's that you're a mom. And so you feel like if you pour yourself more into your kids and you don't have to be in the helping field, but something where you are helping other people, you feel like if you do that more, then that'll be better. Then maybe even we'll feel better, but it's not true, right? You've learned, you've, you've discovered it. I think all of us is that we know logically that we cannot fill from an empty cup. And yet somehow we think that we're not going to, our cup's not going to run empty or something. I don't know how we think it's refilling. And I love that you brought up that you were still doing self-care, but what was missing was the joy because the joy is so important. That's really like self-care. I'm all about self-care. I have a great self-care routine as well, but that's when I find I start to go down as well as when the joy in my life starts to dwindle. So that's why I personally take every single day to try to make sure that there's some kind of joy in there. Because when you don't, that's when you start to, you know, fall down the rabbit hole. 
Yeah, it can just spiral downwards. And, you know, I, of course, because I think women overall, we really feel like we're supposed to nurture, we're supposed to take care of others. And although we know self-care, like the basic things of self-care, these are the things that we have to do. Somehow this experience I'm describing was different because... I was, I couldn't make myself do it. Even the things that normally I do to take care of myself, I was struggling with making myself even have the motivation to do those things I knew I was supposed to do. Absolutely. And I've recently gone through the same thing where I know that movement is so key to my health as a fitness instructor and just someone who loves to dance. I know that it brings me out of toxic feelings better than anything else. If nothing else is working, if I put on some music and start to dance or start to do Zumba in five minutes, I'm already starting to feel better. And yet what was I, as I went back to school physically, cause I'm a teacher. So when we went physically back to school and it started to be a little more rushed in the morning, I eliminated that part of my routine. If I, if I was running out of time and it so had an effect on me because I was just like, oh, I can't do it. All right, whatever. And you, you, same thing. I literally said to my friend today, I need to start making every single morning movement a, a must in my life because that is what A, brings me joy and helps to move the toxins out of my body. But we, mm-hmm. it's hard for us to feel motivated to do it when you're feeling down. And that's when having a support system, having an accountability buddy and having not just having a strong routine because the routine can fall, but that's great to have the strong routine as a a baseline, but having those other people to support you, that's when that becomes really, really important. But that's one of the other downfalls of many of us who are high functioning depression and anxiety people is that it's hard for us to reach out for help because of either the shame or the stigma or the fact that we've done it before and people have been like, you, you're not depressed. Like, it's fine. You know, just like suck it up kind of thing. You're, you're a superstar. Everything is fine. So any of those things can stop us from asking for help. Oh, wow. Have you just really nailed it there? I think, because in my experience with what I just described, basically like I had gone to my normal support system, like someone who's kind of always there for me. And, and what I got was, you know, just take some time to relax. And I was like, I don't want to relax anymore. That's not what's going on here. And somehow I did feel a sense of shame and that I just needed to kind of hide from it. So then I decided one day, so what ended up happening was I decided to get up and no matter what, I was going to shower, get ready, do my hair, do my makeup and get dressed up. I went because even shopping brings me joy and I haven't been shopping because it's like, what's the point? There's nowhere to go. So what I ended up doing was going and buying a new shirt (laughs) and I got up, did my hair, did my makeup, put on my new shirt, put on high heels just for myself, like literally just walking around the house. And I just felt a shift and some joy right away. And then I decided to share it. And that was probably the biggest thing. It's like, instead of hiding, you know, behind this and feeling this and trying to go through this myself, instead, I'm just going to share the story of buying a new shirt and how it helped me and wearing high heels and getting ready just for myself, even though I had nowhere to go. So I shared that. And all of a sudden, 
I started getting flooded with messages of that's how I've been feeling. And I think a lot of people just push through and somehow when we know that we're not alone, it's better, it's easier, and we can kind of triumph together. Absolutely. I mean, uh, that's like one of my hashtags is we're all in this together. And it's not just a saying. I so firmly believe it. And I saw that post of yours and I loved it. And I'm, I'm sure I commented on it as well. But I find that there's such power, and you just said it as well, in sharing our story. Because when we share our story, we not only release the shame of it, uh, because it's just not hidden anymore, we find that wow, others are resonating with it as well. So us sharing our story gives other people permission to say, yeah, it's happening to me too, which helps them. And it helps us. Cause like you said, then you realize like, Hey, I'm not alone either. And I don't have to hide just because I'm a strong person. Strong people can have weak moments. It doesn't make you a weak person. Everybody has weak moments. And I say that reaching out for help is one of the biggest signs of strength you can actually have. But I think we don't know that until we actually do it the first time. And it, it can be scary. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Like this is just so awesome. I love this conversation. Okay. And it doesn't define us, does it? Like, no, no. that's the other thing is that, I mean, we have these amazing stories all concocted in our head about, I, that's why I held on to my depression for so long as a secret because I'm a teacher. So heaven forbid people find out that I have depression because who's going to want their kid being taught by a depressed, you know, woman or, you know, person. And uh, my friends won't take advice from me if I'm depressed. So I should just hide all of this because it, I felt like it defined who I was. But depression is a chemical imbalance in your brain it's no different than if you're diabetic and it, it's an imbalance in your sugars. It's something that, that there's no cure for, just like there's no cure for diabetes. Nobody sits there and says, oh, you're diabetic. Like you should not tell anybody because that's, you know, somehow makes you a, a bad person or a negative thing on you. No, they think, okay, you take your diabetes, you do what you need to do, you get help and you, you stay as healthy as you can despite there being no cure. It's no different for mental health. We have this stigma of like, all of a sudden, because we have a mental health condition or symptom that, oh, it means we're somehow less or just some negative connotation. And it's so not true. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Okay. So let's talk about symptoms. So, you know, for the listening audience, if they're like, I wonder if... Well, first of all, they're, if they're listening right now, they're probably thinking, wow, I felt like that before and I'm not going to be ashamed of that anymore. But what are symptoms that they should look for? So things that we have both mentioned, like, of course, not wanting to get out of bed, not feeling motivation. Also, procrastination can be a symptom that a lot of people don't recognize as anxiety or depression. Um what else? The lack of energy and not because I didn't sleep enough because obviously not sleeping enough is going to lead to not having energy, but even after sleeping well, not having energy, um, not wanting to get up and get going in the day, not wanting to do the things that brought us joy, not wanting to reach out to people who have been supports to us. All of those are signs that Hmm, maybe I should 
think about whether this is. And I also want to say that, you know, reaching out sometimes to a friend isn't necessarily the right thing. Speaking to your doctor, your health professional about it can be a good first step too. Okay. So I know in my experience, some of the things that I know usually kind of get me centered and bring me back and make me feel joy, I was doing them and I just couldn't feel it. Like as an example, I was getting myself centered on being very grateful and I just couldn't feel it just because I was, I felt like I had maybe gone a little bit far down the, the rabbit hole, like you said, and I just couldn't feel it. So is that common, normal? I don't know. It is so common right now. I have not done enough for research to know like if in the regular realm of life as a whole, it would be considered normal or common, but right now, so common, so normal, because part of the problem is that the uncertainty of how long is this collective trauma that we're all going through as a planet, how long is this going to last? And the uncertainty of it makes all our regular coping strategies or many of our regular coping strategies ineffective because coping strategies are meant to be short-term. Well, this has been going on for a year, pretty much. It's not short-term anymore. And we don't even know when it's going to end. So a key to it that I learned is chunking in much smaller, um, pieces of time, intervals of time than we normally would. So before maybe we could make, let's say three month goals or that kind of thing. Right now we might be only looking at a month, a week, a day, or even an hour, depending on how we're feeling that focusing on feeling better. We're not going to worry about like, is this going to make me feel better for the next week? No. Is this going to make me feel better in this exact moment? And chunking things into smaller periods of time can be a huge help with that because otherwise it's true. Our regular coping strategies are not working for us in the same way. Oh man. Okay. So I, I just personally connect with that so much because it's like, these are the things I always do that make me feel better and they're not working. So then you end up feeling even more helpless and powerless because it's like, geez, I don't know what to do. So this conversation is just so powerful. And I think any of the women out there that are just pushing through and trying to figure out what's wrong with them. And I'm like literally putting that in quotations marks because sometimes that's just how we think and how we're speaking to ourselves. Just really acknowledge to yourself that the regular things that you do, this is not a regular time in history. None of us have experienced this before. And what you're going through is is truly um, real and acknowledging it and understanding it, that it's all okay. Whatever you're feeling is okay. Absolutely. And when you say that it's all okay, I... I found the song, It's Okay Not To Be Okay by Demi Lovato and Marshmallow. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing Marshmallow's name right. But anyways, uh, that song came on one day a few weeks ago when I was just particularly not feeling okay. And I'm trying to work and it came on and I, I've probably heard it a million times before, but I've never actually heard it. You know, I didn't know that I'd ever heard that song before. And it just hit me so in the heart. It is okay not to be okay. We, we're none of us are going to be okay all the time. Totally okay to feel however we're feeling. Hmm. I'm going to make sure and put that a link to that in the, in the show notes. Okay. So let's, let's talk stats. So for the people in the, in the audience that are like, okay, is it really that common? Let, let's give some facts here. Do you, do you have any? 
I do. So the stats that I have been able to find are all pre-COVID and are already to me so alarming that one in four people will have a depressive or an anxiety disorder actually diagnosed in Canada uh, in their lifetime. One in four, that's pretty huge. Um, women are six times more likely than men to be diagnosed. And I don't, I imagine that's partly because women will talk about it more than men because there's even more of a stigma attached to men being depressed and not being strong and all of that. But, you know, so is it all of that or is it partly because it does affect us more? I imagine it's a combination. I'm not sure. But we also know that all of that has just amplified so much during the last year that one can only imagine how rampant it is now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Those are alarming numbers. And I, I would, I mean, this is literally just a guess, but I would say that that would be doubled. I really do. This is, this is just, so, I mean, one in four is the actual stats. So if you double that, it's like half of us are experiencing that and just having to push through. And that goes from everyone from professional women to stay at home moms and everyone in between there's, there's no age or, you know, definition. It's, it's everyone, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And anxiety and depression are also being diagnosed so much younger these days, too. So I'm glad you brought up about the, you know, there's no age. It's not just like women in their such and such ages, young kids as young as six, I believe. I forget what the stat is that I, I read about the average age. It's young, like teens, maybe it's very young. Oh, and you know, like kids having to navigate this as well. And you know, if you really kind of sit back and think about, and this isn't to add pressure or stress or anxiety to anyone, but if you think about our children watching us trying to navigate this and the level of stress that we're having, and they're also having to navigate all of the changes, they're also having to, you know, shift how they are at school, how they interact with their friends, things have been taken away from them. I think this is just everywhere and and being aware of it and giving our kids a a space to actually share how they feel about it or ask questions like all the strategies we're talking about that work for us those should apply for our kids too shouldn't they absolutely absolutely and I think that as we like you said it's not about putting pressure or more shame or guilt on yourself but as we learn these strategies that can help us to cope better and as we are more open and sharing even with our kids that we are feeling that way we teach our children that it's okay to talk about their feelings that it's okay not to be okay and healthy ways to deal with those feelings As a woman, it's easy to lose sight of who you are and caring for others and keeping up your many responsibilities at home and work. And at the end of the day, you may be asking yourself, who am I in all of this? What's next for me? Or what can I do to feel more joy and fulfillment? This year, I launched a 21-day personal growth challenge called The Power of You, and it brought back such positive feedback from the hundreds of women that participated that I just designed a new challenge called The Best You. Throughout the 21 days, you're guided through a process of self-discovery. The first seven days are focused on releasing your past, the next seven on living in the moment, and the final seven days we propel towards the future. 
All members of the challenge receive the training videos conveniently delivered to their inbox daily, along with access to a supportive community and a printable journal to guide you through the entire process. You should do this for you. Head to Corliss.ca to check out the program and read the dozens of testimonies of what this challenge has done for other women, other women just like you. So let's talk about strategies. Let's talk about some of the things that we can do from, you know, surviving, from going from surviving to thriving. Absolutely. I love when we get to solutions because I'm, that's just such a huge passion for me to A, absolutely acknowledge how we're feeling, but then not to get stuck in it. So how can we move through it? So thank you for asking that question. A big thing, I think I am not a proponent of one fit, one size fits all, or one thing is going to work for everyone. But I will say that I have learned that meditation, which used to be the hardest thing for me when I was seeing a psychiatrist for my depression. And really that's just going every few months to check on your meds. They don't, you know, counsel you or anything. They're just a med checker, or at least mine was, uh, he would also always say, are you meditating? Cause I meditate twice a day and that's how I stay calm. And of course I said, yes, because, well, you know, you're not going to say to your doctor, no, I tried it. It doesn't work. Or at least I, I wasn't going to say that to him because I'd tried it a million times and meditation was quote unquote, not for me. But once I finally found the type of meditation that did work for me, changed my life completely. So now I really do believe that there are so many different types of meditation and that just like genres of literature or genres of books, if you keep reading enough different types, you'll find one you love in the same way with meditation. If you keep trying different kinds, you will find one that works for you. And I think that that is key to healing because it gives us time to be still and really tune into ourselves. And ultimately, inside, we do have all the answers. We just need to learn how to tune into that. So that would be my number one must do. Oh, may I share something about that? Because the audience, I, I really want you to know that I like I have a very active mind and I tried so hard to practice this still meditation because I honestly thought there was only one way to do it. And I just couldn't quiet my mind. And I was like, yeah, I can't do it. I just was like this. I don't know why I'm trying, but I kept on trying. And then on something, I don't know where I was or what happened, but I heard some training that there's all different kinds of meditation and you you know, find one that works for you. And what I noticed was that if I go for a walk, like outside, just take my puppy for a walk and turn on the meditation, it's much more powerful for me because I'm actually moving. I'm outside. I'm listening only because I'm just walking. It's not like I have to pay attention to what I'm doing because I'm driving or anything. And it is just, it, it works so well for me. And it's actually helped me recognize that there's all types of meditation. Like you don't have to just do it one way, find a way that works for you. And that's definitely one that works for me. The second one that I learned that I did, because I just started trying all different ways of listening to these guided meditations. I love it when I lay in bed and fall asleep to it. So that was another one because I'm already relaxed. So it's like I can fall asleep to it. My AirPods fall out when I'm sleeping and I have to find them in the morning, but it, but it works for me. So do what works for you. Absolutely. And the funniest thing about that is that not funny, but in, most interesting about what you said that connected with me is that I am also super busy mind, like the whole monkey mind, that's me. 
And so trying to stop thoughts from coming into my head, that's why meditation wasn't working for me because I cannot stop thoughts from coming into my head. And actually I recently read a book by Emily Fletcher, uh, Stress Less, Accomplish More. And she has developed a system of meditation for people who are high achievers and for whom meditation has never worked before. So if you're one of those people, I do recommend the read. Uh, it's a great, but I found that funny enough, what worked for me was not guided meditation, but silent meditation. Because when I was trying to focus on this other person's voice and then getting distracted by my own thoughts, I kept thinking, oh, I'm doing it wrong. Like, why can't I just stay focused on their, their voice? Um, when I just tuned into my own self and made it okay for thoughts to come in my, my mind, I it completely shifted. And now I can do guided meditations. And I often do sleep meditations too, if I'm feeling a little too monkey mind and I need to help uh, dial that down. But interestingly enough, that's what switched it for me was silent meditation. <laughs> Neat. Interesting. Yeah, we kind of both went, we have two very different ways of doing it. And I think the key here is that we experiment with it. So for the audience, like just experiment with it, have fun with, you know, the discovery of what works for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I guess to get back to other things that you can do, uh, you know, gratitude, as you talked about, is one of the fastest ways to improve your mood often, as long as you're feeling it. Like you said, that's the key. Like you can't just say, I'm grateful for the sunshine, but really you could care less about the sunshine, you know, or I'm grateful I have a house, but meanwhile, you think your house is crappy and you're, you know, you wish you could live in a different house. Like it has to be something you can feel and it's not necessarily going to be, you know, every day, the same thing. So gratitude journaling uh, is a great tool. Um, another fantastic tool is movement. And like you said, the meditation that works for you is while you're walking your dog. That's probably partly because you're also out in nature, getting fresh air. Nature in itself is such an amazing therapeutic tool. That's another huge learning for me because I literally used to have like almost panic attacks. If I was out in too much green, I was like freaking out because I was so out of touch with nature. And so now that I see the healing benefits, feel the healing benefits of it. And I try to get out to walk in nature as much as I possibly can or any kind of movement you like. Like I said, if you love dancing, dance, if you, anything, 20 minutes of heart rate raising cardio helps to release toxins from your body. It can increase your focus for two hours. I recently learned from Jim Quick that even just three minutes of cardio in the morning can help to calm you down and focus you for the day as well. So doesn't have to even be 20 minutes long. Oh, that's good. And everyone can do three minutes. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. Yes, we can do three minutes, even if we're the achiever that's like, I have so much to do today. You could do three minutes. You can find the time to raise raise your vibration and, and get your heart rate going for three minutes. Good stuff. Anything else, like any other strategies, things that people can do? If you look into growth mindset, that's another great thing that you even can do before you start to implement any of these strategies, because if you don't believe that practicing something is going to make you better at it, then it won't. You know, I have um, one child who is definitely more fixed mindset and 
we've tried to encourage him to look at different challenges in his life and whatever. And he's just like, no, no, not going to work, not going to work. And we've realized it's true. There's no point in going to this therapy or trying this thing because he's already decided it's not going to work. So if you happen to be a person that is more on the fixed mindset, which just briefly in case people aren't aware, means that you think that you're born with a certain set of strengths, skills, intelligence, it's set and you'll only reach that level. So why bother to, you know, try anymore versus growth mindset where you think that, yes, we have, you know, a certain skill level, but by learning and practicing, we can always improve. Obviously that mindset is going to lead you to being willing to try more and being willing to fail and keep going. So I think that that was also a huge uh, change for me. It really enabled me to go from being on meds to not being on meds. And I'm not suggesting that that's, you know, again, the fix for everyone to be off meds or that everyone should be off meds. But for me, it was because I realized like, oh, I just can change my mindset. And that's so powerful in how I'm going to lead my days. Mm, so good. So good. Opening up your mind to possibilities and growth and, and almost just embracing it, right? Versus like, okay, what's wrong? And like, one more thing I got to try and fix. One more thing I have to do is like, just be open, just be open, almost embrace it. Um, any other like simple, quick fix strategies before I ask you my three closing questions? Well, I love that you said simple and quick, because I was going to say that I want to say out of all of this, there's a you know a number of tools we've both spoken of, and I encourage people to just start small and pick one thing that really resonated with them because you don't want to start say, oh, those are all amazing. I'm going to implement them all. No, you're going to set yourself up for, for failure. But the joy time is something that we haven't delved more deeply into, but whatever it is that brings you joy. A girlfriend of mine shared a a picture of a drawing she did the other day and said, oh, she'd forgotten how much she loved drawing and how therapeutic that was for her. So making a list of what brings you joy so that when you are not feeling joyful, you can go to that list. And instead of, you know, going to the ice cream uh, bucket, which was my go-to when I was feeling down, uh, which is not healthy for me, <laughs> then going to that list and picking something there. And just, even if you only have five minutes for joy, do it for five minutes, and you'll notice that you're starting to feel better already. Okay, so I have to share something here, because I talk about this often in my masterclass. And I use this experience because I but I want to share it here, I want to share it for everyone to hear. So as we move into spring here, I mean, we're all looking forward to getting outside and being able to, you know, move our bodies more and the weather getting better, more sunshine. But I have to just kind of bring it back to something that brings you joy. If you're not sure what brings you joy because you've been kind of surviving for so long and just keep pushing through and maybe you just can't think of something. I want you to think back to something that even when you were a child that you did that always brought you joy because sometimes as we adult, we get into like just doing what we have to do. Have to is the key phrase there. And we ignore, you know, those things that we always enjoy doing. So as an example, when I was a kid, I, I mean, I grew up on the farm, so there wasn't a lot of things, uh, you know, to do. There was we didn't have like all of the fun gaming things and stuff. And what I really remember is on my ninth birthday, I came home from school on my birthday, and there was a beautiful shiny yellow bike 
sitting at the end of the driveway. And it was so big for me because I think it was one of the first times that I never got a hand-me-down. It was like, (laughs) it was like a real brand new bike for me. And I can honestly say that my wildest, most joyful, happy times of my entire childhood were spent on that bike, going up and down the gravel road, doing tricks, trying different things, the dog chasing me. It was just so, there was so much joy in it. And, you know, as I center myself on things that bring me joy now, when I go riding my bike, sometimes I even allow myself to like, just feel like a kid again with the wind blowing through my hair. It's so simple but it really does just bring me so much joy. So I wanted to share that with all of you because maybe there was something that you've forgotten that you love to do, something small, something simple. Remember what that was and inject it into your life purposefully and intentionally. So well said, Corliss. I'm literally like beaming and nodding my head so much because that's such powerful, powerful advice. I have one more thing I wanted to ask you because I think part of what's going on in our world today is like the the burnout of social, of computer screens, of phone screens, of keeping up on social, of like now we only meet virtually. Any tips, advice there to kind of lower our level of stress and anxiety around social media? That's That is such a huge point because that can be such a trigger for anxiety for people and depression, but especially for anxiety, it's well known as a trigger. And so limiting your screen time is great. What the, one of the easiest ways to limit it or to start is to make sure that the phone does not come into your bedroom, that your bedroom is your like sanct, what do you call that place? Sanctuary. Sanctuary. (laughs) Thank you. sanctuary for sleep. And so it does not come into, or electronics in general, don't come into your bedroom. And you just, I put mine outside my door because it's also my alarm and make sure that I set a time that after 9 PM, I'm not on my phone. I will read before I go to bed, but I'm, or I'll, you know, be talking to my kids live it in person or that kind of thing, but I don't allow it to be in my room and I don't allow it in my room in my morning power hour either, because then I could see like, Oh, this person just did this on Twitter or, or Instagram or Facebook. And then all of a sudden, you know, 45 minutes of my power hour is gone and my me time is gone. So that's one key thing is to just eliminate it from your bedroom and perhaps set time limits. A lot of phones will have apps for that, as well. Yeah, take a break. Take a break from it. You know, get a, get away and just actually be present in your life. I think that's just really great. So the three closing questions today, because this is a leadership podcast, what does leadership mean to you? Leadership means leading from your heart. And I love that anyone can be a leader. I truly believe that. It's not about the title you hold at work or anywhere else. It's about how you live your life. So you can be a fantastic leader among your friends, in your family, or, you know, in your work or your business, just by doing what you feel is right and what makes you passionate and leading with your heart. Beautiful. And you did, you recommended a book in our conversation. Is that the one that you would like to leave the audience with? It was kind of a game changer for you. 
That one I found really good for meditation uh, for people who are not uh, meditators. But the one book that I would love to recommend that was such a game changer for me personally is called The Magic by Rhonda Byrne. And it's actually all about 30 days of gratitude practices, different gratitude practices every day. But once you can see the gratitude and little things you never even never even thought about, it's so powerful. So good. No wonder we're so connected. I have read that book probably, I don't know, I'm going to guess a dozen times. I go back to it constantly. It's highlighted all over the place. That really always brings me back and out of anxiety because it's it's just walks you through the practice of gratitude to the point of creating magic in your life. Absolutely. All right. The final, final question based on all of the highs and all of the lows and everything that you've been through in your life. If you could leave the world with just one piece of advice, what would you want to leave them with? Love is always the answer. And I think that a lot of the things we've been talking about today are encompassed in self-love, you know, recognizing the signs inside ourself, being compassionate to ourselves, reaching out for help. All those things are going to happen if you love yourself. And, you know, if you, we mirror that, out, it comes back to us. So I really, truly, as much as it sounds so cliche, love is always the answer. Oh, absolutely love it and could not agree more. Thank you again so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's been such a joy speaking to you, Carlos. Take good care, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode and it brought you value, make sure and share it with a friend or screenshot it and post it to your Instagram story or Facebook, tagging me at Corliss Co. I know the most precious of all commodities is your time, and I want to thank you all very much for spending this time with me today. Remember, you have the power to lead. Know your worth, embrace your value, see you have purpose, and be the leader you are meant to be.